And the words we speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. As I said last week, we have joined churches from all over the world in the season of creation. Catholic, Orthodox, Anglican, Lutheran, and many other denominations in this annual ecumenical worldwide season of creation. A celebration of prayer and action to protect our common home. This year the theme is Year of Jubilee, which comes from Leviticus 25, uh, which describes how, in theory at least, every 50 years after every uh, set of seven sets of seven years, uh, the debts would be forgiven, the slaves would be freed, and the land restored. Essentially, it was pushing the restart button. Yesterday as I was writing the sermon, my computer just froze on me. To get it going again, I pushed restart. That's essentially what the year of Jubilee was all about. When things started to go wrong, they pushed restart and started again. And so by having this theme this year, the organisers of the season and all those who take part are saying, we need to do that as a human family on this planet. We need to push restart. One of the important aspects of the season of creation is that it reminds us of the importance of caring for creation as part of our response to God. Too often we see this as an added extra. If we have time and energy left once we've done the important things, then we can put some time and energy into that. I've actually heard that said by senior clergy in conferences. But one of the gifts of being Anglican is our agreed understanding of God's mission, as defined by the Anglican Consultative Council. The Anglican Consultative Council is uh, a meeting that gathers uh, every three or four years, I think, every four years, I think, and uh, it has representatives from uh, lay, clergy, and Episcopal representatives from every province in the Anglican Communion. It is the only truly representative body that gathers and one of the agendas over a number of those meetings has been understanding and defining God's mission. And so our current understanding offers five marks. They say that the mission of the church is the mission of Christ. It is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, commonly called evangelism, to teach, baptize and nurture new believers, Christian education. To respond to human need by loving service, pastoral care and social service. To transform unjust structures of society. To challenge violence of every kind and pursue peace and reconciliation. And finally, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and to sustain and renew the life of the earth. Now unfortunately we usually see these, well these are often seen as five independent marks and we can pick and choose between them. In fact, when our church set up its new constitution, we did exactly that. We had five common life conferences which looked at one was evangelism, another was uh, Christian education, another was pastoral care, social justice, care of creation. And well, it allows you to think that you can look at those things independently of the other ones. Unfortunately, it's also understood that they are in order of importance. 
And so there are a number of people who would see the first three, evangelism, Christian education, and pastoral care, social service, as the important ones, and that uh, the other two, um, social justice and care of creation, are left, with the left, uh, are left over for the left-wing loonies, who are really the only ones who have any time for such nonsense. But there are a number of people, including myself, who would see these not as five independent things that we can pick and choose from and order an order of priority, but five threads of one rope. We need to have all together to have the mission of Christ. And that's how they were actually offered. These are the marks. If we leave any of them out, then, well, we're not involved in the mission of God. It's like a rope with five strands to it. And the more strands we leave out of that rope, the weaker and less functional it is. And when we have all five strands together, and I like the image of the old hemp ropes, which had the kind of strands that would kind of fray and loop around and all the other strands and actually give those ropes more integrity, not like the, the nylon ropes of today. And so that's how I understand the mission of God. These five things need to be present, intertwined with each other. So when we talk about evangelism, we also need to talk about Christian nurture, pastoral care, social service, social justice, and care of creation. And to think about mission without all five, cons all five aspects is simply not talking about the mission of God. Care of creation, caring for the integrity of creation is not then an added extra. The season of creation reminds us that it is a core part of who we are and what we do. Over the last few years, the season of creation has gathered a little bit more urgency as the effects of climate change have gathered pace, particularly in the last two years since the release of the IPCC special report on global warming which essentially said we can't go above 1.5 degrees uh, and increase in temperature from pre-industrial times, and that to avoid that, we need to halve our current greenhouse, greenhouse gas emissions in the next 10 years. Well, it's less than 10 years now. It's the next nine years. And uh, we need to completely go back to pre-industrial levels in the next 30 years. And even that... They say it's not going to be enough. It's not like we're going to stop climate change. It just, if we are able to do that, uh, then we will reduce the effects of climate change to uh, affecting maybe hundreds of millions of people instead of billions. They also say that as well as uh, remove, uh, as well as um, reducing our CO2 uh, greenhouse gas emissions to pre-industrial levels, we also need to find ways to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. And we can see that it is already too late. The news of the wildfires in the west coast of the United States and the wildfires in Australia at the end of last year and the beginning of this year show us how much we are, we are already uh, imperiled by climate change. We have the increasing strength of storms and frequency of storms in the Pacific and the Atlantic and the consequent damage that that does to the peoples of the Pacific 
and also up and down the coast of the United States and other parts of the world. Our brothers and sisters in the Pacific have long warned us about what is happening for them. And we have evidence of increasing droughts around the world, including here, with consequent water shortages. We can see that in Auckland right at the moment. So if we are able to reduce our, our CO2 emissions, our greenhouse gas emissions, then we are simply talking about reducing the devastating effects of climate change. The season of creation offers us a chance then to reflect on our place on the planet in light of climate change and to take the learnings from this time and to find ways that we as individuals and as communities communities can reduce our carbon footprint and to remember that this is central not an add-on on the side but this is central to our response to God in living the gospel each week during the season of creation we have a different theme last week's was forests uh, which is an important theme when we look at the forests, we see how they hold so much of the soil on which life depends and how they act with the seas and oceans as the lungs of the world, cleaning out, cleaning the air of pollutants and replacing them with oxygen. This week's theme is land. When astronauts first went into space, they were astounded at the beauty of this planet. planet. Astronaut Michael Collins, who was uh, the commander of the command module Columbia, uh, which circled around the moon while his crewmates, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, made the first crewed, land crewed landing on the surface of the moon, wrote afterwards, I remember so vividly what I saw when I looked back at my fragile home. A glistening, inviting beacon, delicate blue and white, a tiny outpost suspended in the black infinity. Earth is to be treasured and nurtured, something precious that must endure. More recently, Commander Ellen Collins, the first woman to command a space shuttle mission, described seeing Madagascar, Madagascar from orbit. We saw massive deforestation. The rivers and streams that normally would be bluish grey, a bluish grey, bluish grey colour, are now brown from erosion of soil flowing into the ocean. The story of deforestation and the loss of soil into the ocean is repeated around the world. I remember an economist talking about Australia's greatest export being its soil into the ocean. This has been highlighted over the last ten over the last year by the fires in the Amazon started by its thought commercial farming interests and the storm damage done to Pacific Island nations like the Solomons who have allowed uh, foreign logging interests to come in and do some significant uh, deforestation and now when the storms hit there's nothing to hold that water. And so the water and the soil floods down the hills and down the rivers and takes out roads and bridges and communities. Earlier this year, the IPCC released 
another special report, this time on land use and climate change. In this report, they uh, talk about land providing the principal basis for human livelihoods and well-being, including supply of food, fresh water and multiple other ecosystem services, as well as the crucial biodiversity, the web of life. And they go on to describe how human use has direct, directly affected 70%, at least 70%, of the global ice-free land surface. They have noted that since pre-industrial, the pre-industrial period, that the land surface air temperature has risen nearly twice as much as the global average temperature. And they state that climate change, including increases in frequency and intensity of extremes, has adversely impacted food security and terrestrial ecosystems, as well as contributed to desertification and land degradation in many regions. They go on to say that climate change creates additional stresses on land, exacerbating existing risks to livelihoods, biodiversity, human and ecosystem health, infrastructure, and food systems. The current COVID-19 pandemic is an example of this, as we put more and more strain on the ecosystems within the land as we use our land simply as a resource for the short-term economic gain. Pandemics like COVID-19 are going to be one of the consequences of that. And we can see some of these issues here in New Zealand, with uh, some farmers focused on short-term economic gain and refusing to change their farming methods to more long-term sustainable methods, uh, with little care for water quality for the long-term, and buying good farmland to plant pine trees to offset their carbon emissions, which is not great for food systems, it's not good in the long-term for other farmers' livelihoods, it's terrible for biodiversity and ecosystem health. Now, that's only some farmers. There are a lot of farmers who are working extremely hard in this area, and they are to be applauded. So how do we respond to all of this, to all that the IPCC is telling us, uh, to all that we see on our televisions with wildfires and storms and droughts? Well, the natural response to all of this is one of hopelessness and despair. For many, this is all too big, and there's nothing that I can do, and so we choose to do nothing and hope for the best. I want to suggest that one of the importance of the season of creation is to remind us that as followers of Christ, we are invited into another way, to not respond out of despair or fear. But, well, firstly, we respond because we know that when we worship God, who first loves us, we are invited to also treat God's gift of our common home with reverence and care. In other times, I've looked at Genesis 1 and how what that means to be a steward and even what the word dominion might mean. That theme of being stewards, of carers, co-creators with God is a theme that is repeated throughout Scripture. We're invited in this season then uh, to live our lives not driven by fear of what the future might hold if we fail to act, but to live 
as part of our response to God and God's free gift of this good world. Whether there is climate change or not, we would still be invited to live in such a way that we love God by loving our neighbour, this planet, as ourselves. Secondly, we are reminded during the season of the underlying theme of Scripture that God is working to restore humanity and renew creation. For the Gospel writers and for Paul, this was fulfilled in Jesus. Earlier this year during Epiphany, we spent quite a bit of time looking at, first of all, the Beatitudes and then the Sermon on the Mount. And we went back to that last week where Jesus teaches and shows us what that restoration and renewal looks like. He called that the kingdom of heaven. We might call it the reign of God. We returned to when Jesus sat on a mount and invited them and us to imagine another world. A world where the most important people are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for God's justice, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for the sake of God's justice. And he invited them and us to be liberated from our known world into the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God. This is a world where all flourish, where the common good, including the good of all creation, is held as paramount. A world where the needs of the poor are placed first, where all, including plants and animals, are treated with honour and respect and are given what they need to thrive. Thirdly, I think the season of creation invites us to respond to climate change with hope. Jim Wallace of Sojourners in the USA describes hope as believing in spite of the evidence and then watching the evidence change. And we need to do that. It might look extraordinarily difficult, it might look hopeless, but we need to respond out of our response to God in a way that offers hope for ourselves and to others, knowing that as we do that, we provide an example to others. We're also invited to join with others who are responding with all kinds, for all kinds of reasons. And as we do that, we're invited to look for and celebrate the stories of all those who are acting to safeguard the, the integrity of creation all, all around the world. The indigenous people offering insight from their perspective, which, if we take the Bible seriously, I would suggest is much closer to a biblical perspective than the current Western perspective. To all those around the world who are working at new energy forms, that do not have greenhouse gas emissions. To all those who are developing new ways of farming that are economical and sustainable. To all those who are working on ways for industries that are high polluters of greenhouse gases and, and, and emitters of greenhouse gases to capture those emissions and, in some cases, to make money out of them. And finally, to those who are working on ways to pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and either sequester, sequestering it into the soil or deep into the ocean where it cannot be reused. So 
So the season of creation then is a time for us to take stock, much as we might do during Lent, to reflect on how we live giving thanks to God for and in reverence of creation. How we join living the reign of God in which all might thrive and how we are invited to live in hope. This, this year is an election year, as I said last week. So I again invite you to wonder how these issues affect how we vote and who we vote for. We have a little over a month to reflect on these issues, to look at what the parties are offering, and to think about how we might vote in a way that honours our creation and offers hope of a sustainable future. I want to finish with the words of Barbara Rossing, who wrote uh, an essay on uh, a theology of creation around uh, God uh, describing it as very good. She says, God's love for creation in Genesis 1 invites us to explore complex ethical questions, to listen to one another, and to, hold, and to, be, and to take bold prophetic action to care for the whole of creation as our neighbour. Creation is endangered by human sin, as the, as the astronauts are seeing. How good expresses God's love for each element of creation. That love that sees the earth in all its brokenness and beauty is the same love that compels us to act today. Let's just take a moment to reflect on that. If you want, you can stop this and talk to your neighbour. Otherwise, we'll just pause before we say the creed.